0: Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Here with me today is peer ambassador of wellness Marina Trejo and current student Stephen Hensley. Hello, my name is Marina Trejo.
1: I'm currently a fourth year here at State, double majoring in criminology and psychology.
2: Hi, my name is Stephen Hensley. I am in my final semester at Fresno State and I am majoring in political science and philosophy pre-law.
0: Well, thank you both for being here with me today. I know I was kind of reflecting a little bit on today's episode before we gathered today, and this notion of protecting your fellow Bulldogs. And among the many things that I really love and appreciate about this campus is exactly that. I think as a community, we truly come together, both students, staff, faculty alike, to support one another. So for today's episode, I think that's exactly what our intention is behind it. We're sharing space today to talk about specifically the use of drugs and alcohol and some of the many ways that we know we can protect our fellow Bulldogs and and create that support system that we'll be talking about later. So to get us started, I'd love to hear from each of you. What have your observations been when it comes to our campus culture or what happens on campus when it comes to the use of drugs and alcohol?
2: The observations that I've noticed surrounding the use of drugs and alcohol on campus is that there seems to be this feeling of secrecy or normalcy, um, that it is normal for college students to use various substances and engage in these behaviors. It's a normal part of the college experience. Or there's this sense of shame and this feeling of, I can't tell anyone about this because it's not normal. There doesn't seem to be this clear middle ground in, that I've noticed in the college experience where individuals feel like they can tell someone what they're experiencing or how they're feeling. And it's difficult to see, it's difficult to comprehend. And overall, it's difficult to be the person in that situation, not knowing who you can or can't talk to.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with Steven. He hit it head on, especially with the normalcy. I feel like coming here my freshman year, drinking, drugs, it was normalized. It was whether you're doing it or you're not. And if you are doing it, you'll probably see the same people over and over at the same parties, at the same functions. So I think it's important that we recognize the campus culture is that yeah, it is quite normalized and I think it also has to do with this new found freedom we find when we come to college. You know, we get all of this time for ourselves, we get to experience this journey of finding ourselves and I think with, you know, this culture that we have, it's quite easy to fall into the pressures of keeping up this tendency to be drinking, binge drinking, doing drugs. So for in terms of like culture on campus, that's something I really did notice. And another excellent point Stephen brings up is, I know the culture supports, you know, going out and drinking doing this and that, but it doesn't come to support when it finds out that you reached a point in your life where you realized this is kind of taking over you. And so now you're kind of stuck in this position where, yeah, I kind of got sucked into campus culture, but what's next?
0: When we talk about this culture of drinking or, or substance use, we're not saying that everyone does it. There's a subset of our population who will probably never touch a drink or use any additional substance or might use it very occasionally and it, it not ever become an issue. But we do know that it, it does happen. We know there are maybe pockets of the campus community that experience that at higher volumes and things that maybe we need to just be aware of. Knowing that it is normalized, knowing this is kind of become the this is just part of the college experience. And Marina, you brought up a good point with coming to college. A big part of coming to college is it's a lot of exploration, it's figuring out who you are, who you want to be, getting to experiment and figure out, you know, whether that be majors or things like that. But often experimentation happens in a lot of different ways. And drugs and alcohol, I think often fit into that picture of experimentation and and in some cases even becoming a coping mechanism. One of the bigger questions that we're wanting to raise with this episode is, how do we recognize when it's a problem, either for ourselves or for someone around us?
2: For me, with my experience with substance use, which goes back before the college experience, I think that one of the ways that I can reflect and think about somebody knowing that it's a problem is when it's what you look forward to. You're at work and you're thinking about when you get home and that drink is all you can think about. It's what's going to make your day feel better. It's what's going to make your day complete. Or if you need to go to some kind of social function, but you feel like you can't go without drinking first or without using some kind of substance. If you feel like that's what you need to get you through these life events, to get you through class, to get you through work, to get you through these social functions, if you feel like that substance is what you need to get you through those different events, then it's very possible that there's a problem there. And it has the potential to be a greater detriment. I mean, for me it was. I found myself in these situations where I was getting into fights. I was not doing the correct things. I wasn't paying my bills on time. I was just living life um, in this kind of empty void in the space that was filled by this substance that was ultimately destroying me.
1: But I think also comes down to -to day-to-day stuff as well. Um, For myself personally, I know, remember when I was drinking a little bit too much after I turned 21 and I kind of noticed these things about myself, especially when it came to school, I would realize, you know, like I had trouble concentrating in class. My hangovers were no longer a one day and done. My hangovers were lasting for like four days and it took like a week for me to recover just to get back on track with schoolwork. And I think science like that is something that college students can often push to That's just part of life. It's a hangover, get over it. But I think it's when you start to realize how much it's affecting your social, your academic, your personal life. And I think those signs are important to recognize because it's something that people will often overlook until it gets too serious and it gets too much of a problem. But these are warning signs. If you notice it's taking a couple of days to you recover from a hangover, if you're noticing that you can't concentrate in class, that you have trouble breathing, you have tight chest pains, like these are all warning signs that you might have overdone it. And that's when you need to start recognizing that maybe it's time to take another effort, another step.
0: Uh, I think you bring up a couple of good thoughts, especially when it comes to looking at the academic world. I mean, yes, we have accepted this norm that drinking or substance use is a part of the college experience. It's just something you do when you're in college, but you're also in college to get that degree. And I think when it becomes something that prevents you from being able to be present for those commitments, for your classes, to truly be able to be here to achieve that goal Those are our red flags that we want to look at.
1: I think also, too, another thing that kind of helps you check in and be present is check in with your friends. Ask them, you know, have you noticed anything when I drink? Have you noticed uh, I'm off? I think having that transparency with your friends and that trust to have them let you know if it's becoming too much of a problem.
0: How do you think we personally work on building a support system, both for ourselves, but I guess on the other hand, maybe it's also the question of how do we become that support system for your peers as well? It
1: all begins with transparency as the first step. Be open with your loved ones. Be open with your friends. You know, let them know if you don't feel like drinking today or this weekend did not feel good mentally after drinking. Let them know. Let them know what you're feeling. And also that allows them to keep in check that let's say you're not keeping in mind how many times you're drinking a week or how many times you felt horrible after drinking, your friends will be there and your friends will let you know and check in. But I think the biggest part too is, you know, is boundaries. I think that was something I really had to learn in college is yeah, the culture it's pressuring, but it's all about boundaries. And so by being transparent with your friends and letting them know tonight, I don't want to drink. And I feel like that built a great support system because if you're in a situation where there is drugs or alcohol and you don't want to go the next mile, you know that you have your friends there watching over you you know, setting those boundaries and including your loved ones and friends is a great place to start.
0: I've always said some of the most important people in my life have been those who, if I'm not being true to who I say I want to be, are willing to call my bluff and call me out and not be afraid to do that whatsoever. I think we all need people in our lives who can do that for us.
2: I would have to second what Marina said about transparency. I think that transparency is really one of the keys to building a support system because a great majority of the time, those of us who are using substances, I think we're great at hiding that. We're great at appearing normal, like we're not doing anything different, like we're not using anything, like we're just going through the motions of everyday life. And it's not obvious most of the time. So I think that transparency is a key to letting individuals know those who we feel comfortable telling that, you know, I I need a little bit of support. I need a pillar to lean on. And I'm hoping that you can do that for me. Um, Even if we feel like there's no one in our lives that we can lean on there, there's always someone that we can talk to. I mean, I'm going to say the most, feared word probably in a lot of these spaces. And that word is program. There are a lot of programs at the Student Health and Counseling Center. I mean, I myself am part of Bulldogs for Recovery, which is a safe space that students can come and really just be transparent. I mean, there's no reporting, there's no recording. It's just students there. And we talk about our experiences, we talk about our struggles, and we're able to lean on one another. And you know, if there is additional help that's needed, we're able to say, hey, I know this place or I know this thing that you can go to or that can help you, you know, for further assistance. And it's not anything that's forced or shoved down somebody's throat or difficult to di- digest. It's this community of support. And ultimately, that that's what we have here. So if you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to, I mean, there, there is someone to talk to through one of these groups or programs.
0: There is support out there, and Stephen, I think you said that. Great. There are people out there. There is a community there to support you. Stephen, you talked a little bit about Bulldogs for Recovery. Would you share maybe a little bit about what recovery has looked like for you, and maybe some thoughts you might have to those who feel that maybe it's a space they might want to explore?
2: I would say that for me, recovery has been a really long process. It, it hasn't occurred in a day. It hasn't occurred in a week. It. Has occurred over an extended period of time. I grew up watching my family use various substances—heroin, methamphetamines, and the likes—and it was normalized in my family. And it wasn't something I could get away from. I, I grew up in poverty, and it was something that everyone was doing in that environment. And I didn't have someone to tell me that, "Hey, these, these aren't the right things that you should be doing, otherwise, or thinking otherwise." And by the time I was 17 years old, I was doing those same things. I got arrested. I went to jail, juvenile hall. They sent me to prison and I was there for almost six years. So I grew up in that environment behind those bars, the same bars that my dad grew up behind, my grandfather, and so on and so forth. And while I was there, I think that my use of substances was exacerbated. I felt this void. I wanted to genuinely just disappear from the world and not exist anymore. I experienced all kinds of traumas behind those bars. I had been beaten down for being gay. I had felt like I lost everyone in the world, like I was alone. And so I started engaging in heavier substance use, whether it be methamphetamines or whatever was on the prison yard at the time. And I felt like it really kind of filled that void. And I mean, eventually the time came when, you know, I saw a little opportunity of hope through Project Rebound at Fresno State and the college program that they have and letters they sent out for people who have been to prison, having that opportunity to go to college. And, you know, I looked into that. I started kind of investing into my education and I didn't give up the substances right away. But eventually, as I pursued that, I used them less and less and less until it was at the point where I didn't even notice that my substance use has completely dissipated. And when I was released from prison, I was around 23 or 24. And I still had that same goal of pursuing an education and doing all of those things well, when I was released, I didn't have anywhere to go. And um, I ended up sleeping on a park bench. It was wintertime and it was difficult. And I genuinely thought that was the end for me. I survived prison just to meet my end on that bench. But once again, there was a little bit of hope. I got up. I realized, you know, I need to push forward. And so I did. I begged for a job and I got to the point where i was working and i could afford to find a place to live i moved to fresno and it it was a difficult path but i kind of lost focus of my goals for a while there i was so focused on just surviving that i forgot about college i forgot about all these things that i want to do and i was consumed by work and i started drinking heavily you know alcohol had never been my sole problem but I think that that was the substance that really came and threatened to destroy me the most was my use of alcohol, because it's legal. I I could go every day and purchase it for almost nothing. And nobody's going to sit behind that counter and tell me, hey, you probably shouldn't do this. I, I was at that point where I couldn't attend any kind of social function. I couldn't do anything without drinking It was a very difficult process to leave the alcohol behind, but fortunately I I developed a support group and one person in particular who really helped me see what I needed to do next and really helped me to get to where I am today. I haven't had a drink or used any substance in three to four years. It's not something that is easy. You know, that urge comes forward at times. Whenever some kind of social situation arises and I feel like I don't want to go, you know, just for a brief moment in my head, I feel that. But another factor that reinforces and keeps me away from those things is the events that have happened in my life and the people that I've lost, the people that I've seen go forward and do positive things. There is hope. I reflect on those things that have happened. And I also reflect on my dad who my dad has used heroin since I can remember. He's been out of, in and out of prison for my entire life. And it's just been a constant struggle for him to stay away from those substances. And about a year and a half ago, he was released from prison. He didn't have anywhere to go. He didn't have anyone to help him. He and I weren't talking and we started a narrative. You know, we started the back and forth and I told him, I said, you know, I don't want you to feel ashamed by the things that you've experienced, by your use for substances. I've had that same problem. I've done these same things. And I know how hard it is just to say, yeah, you're right. I am struggling. And so I helped him. Um, He accepted the help. He has been out of prison for a year and a half now at Delancey Street in San Francisco, which is one of the best programs that there is. And it is amazing what they are doing there. And he is doing great things. Just in his voice, I hear how optimistic he is about the future. And talking to him before, there wasn't a future. And so to see these various situations and the way that things can turn out, It's tremendous that the outcome and the differences that there can be just from dissipating that shame and being able to talk to somebody and to be honest and to have that human connection.
0: There's a lot of shame around substance use, around addiction. And so I think for that reason, as you said, so many times these are individuals who are struggling in solitude. Others don't always know it's happening. Uh, Their loved ones might also find themselves in that same place of feeling very isolated by what's going on. And I think that's, that's one of the things that I would encourage all of our listeners to give some thought to is how do we reinforce that feeling of shame? And what can we be doing to counter that instead? How can we as a community open up this voice of transparency, encourage people to share their stories? I mean, Stephen, you shared an incredibly powerful testimonial, not only of yourself, but your family and, and so many different examples of what this can look like, where it can go wonderfully well as yourself heading to law school and where we know it can also go the other way. And I think there's just so much for us to take away from that. And and a lot of reflection for us to do as a community on how we can do better and be better for those who are struggling with substance use. Marina, I want to thank you for asking to do this episode, because I think this is incredibly powerful. Stephen, I truly can't thank you enough for being willing to share and be vulnerable and sharing your story. And I, I truly believe that your story can make a difference. I want to, of course, always thank our listeners for joining us here on the podcast. We will be back again next week with another conversation to support your health and wellness. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at FS Health Center so you can stay connected to your health.